0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the 8th episode of The World of Percy Jackson. Now, in this book, in this uh, episode, we are reading chapters 15 through 16, and what happened in the previous episodes is that Percy, Annabeth, and Grover had actually gotten a quest from Sharon, who is one of the the camp director, uh, or one of the camp directors at Camp Half-Blood. And Percy received a request to re- to retrieve Zeus's lightning bolt, which Zeus accused of Percy's father, Poseidon, of stealing. So, when Percy, Annabeth, and Grover Raw going on a during their quest uh, to Hades, which is all the way in California, if I believe, they went. Uh, they uh, met uh, Auntie Anne, Auntie M and so it turns out that Auntie M is Medusa, and she tries to turn them into stone, but soon is uh, defeated by Percy, Annabeth, and Grover, and Percy sends the head of Medusa to Poseidon, and they now continue on with their expedition, and let's read chapter 15, A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers. The next afternoon, june 14th seven days before the solstice our train rolled into denver we hadn't eaten since the night before in the dining car somewhere in kansas we hadn't taken a shower since half blood hill and i was sure that it was that was obvious let's try and contact sharon Abbott said i want to tell him about your talk with the river spirit we can use phones right i'm not talking about phones We wandered through downtown for about half an hour, though I wasn't sure what Annabeth was looking for. The air was dry and hot, which felt weird after the humidity of St. Louis. Everywhere we turned, the Rocky Mountains seemed to be staring at me, like a tidal wave about to crash into the city. Finally, we found an empty do-it-yourself car wash. We veered toward the stall farthest from the street, keeping our eyes open for patrol cars. We were three adolescents hanging out at car wash without a car. Any cop worth his donuts would figure out we were up to no good. What exactly are we doing? I asked as Grover took out the spray gun. It's 75 cents, he grumbled. I've only got two quarters left. Annabeth, don't look at me, she said. The dining car wiped me out. I fished out my last bit of change and passed Grover a quarter, which left me two nickels and one drachma from Medusa's place. Excellent, Grover said. We could do it with a spray bottle, of course, but the connection isn't as good, and my arm gets tired of pumping. What are you talking about? He fed in the quarters and set the knob to fine mist. I am-ing. Instant messaging? Iris messaging, Annabeth corrected. The rainbow goddess Iris carries messages for the gods. If you know how to ask and she's not too busy, she'll do the same for Half-Bloods. You summon the goddess with a spray gun? Grover pointed the nozzle in the air and water hissed out in a thick white mist. Unless you know an easier way to make a rainbow. Sure enough, late afternoon light filtered through the vapor and broke into colors. Annabeth held her palm out to me. Drachma, please. I handed it over she raised the coin over her head oh goddess accept our offering she threw the drach to the rainbow it disappeared in a golden shimmer half blood hill annabeth requested for a moment nothing happened then i was looking through the mist at strawberry fields and the long island sound in the distance we seemed to be on the porch of the big house Standing with his back to us at the railing was a sandy-haired guy in shorts and an orange tank top. He was holding a bronze sword and seemed to be staring intently at something down in the meadow. "'Luke!' I called. He turned, eyes wide. I could swear he was standing there three feet in front of me through a screen of mist, except I could only see the part of him that uh, appeared in the rainbow. "'Percy?' His scarred face broke into a grin. "'Is that Annabeth too?' thank the gods. Are you guys okay? We're, uh, fine. Annabeth stammered. She was madly straining her dirty t-shirt, trying to comb the loose hair out of her face. We thought, Sharon, I mean, he's down at the cabins. Luke's smile faded. We're having some issues with the campers. Listen, is everything cool with you? Is Grover all right? I'm right here, Grover called. He held the nozzle out to one side and stepped into Luke, Luke's line of vision. What kind of issues? Just then, a big Lincoln Continental pulled into the car wash with its stereo turned to maximum hip-hop. As the car slid into the next stall, the bass, fr- the bass from the subwoofers vi- vibrated so much, it shook the pavement. Sharon had to... What's that noise? Luke yelled. I'll take care of it," Annabeth yelled back, looking very relieved to have an excuse to get out of sight. "'Grover, come on!' "'What?' Grover said. "'But give Percy the nozzle and come on!' she ordered. Grover murdered something about girls being harder to understand than the oracle at Delphi. Then he handed me the spray gun and followed Annabeth. I readjusted the hose so I could keep the rainbows going and still see Luke. "'Sharon had to break up a fight,' Luke shouted to me over the music things are pretty tense here percy word leaked out about the zeus poseidon standoff we're still not sure probably the same scumbag who summoned the hellhound now the campers are starting to take sides it's shaping up like the trojan War all over again aphrodite Ares, and apollo are backing poseidon more or less athena is backing zeus i shudder to think that clarissa's cabin would ever be on my dad's side for anything in the next stall, I heard Annabeth and some guy arguing with each other, and then the music's volume decreased drastically. So what's your status? Luke asked me. Shiran will be sorry he missed you. I told him pretty much everything, including my dreams. It felt so good to see him, to feel like I was back at camp even for a few minutes, Then I didn't realize how long I had talked until the beeper went off on the spray machine, and I realized I only had one more minute before the water shut off. I wish i could be there luke told me we can't help much from here i'm afraid but listen it had to be hades who took the master bowl he was there at olympus at the winter solstice i was chaperoning a field trip and we saw him but sharon said the gods can't take each other's magic items directly that's true luke said looking troubled still hades has the helm of darkness how could anybody else sneak into the throne room throne room, and steal the master bolt? You'd have to be invisible. We were both silent, until Luke seemed to realize what he'd said. Oh, hey, he protested, I didn't mean Annabeth. She and I have known each other forever. She would never- I mean, she's like a little sister to me. I wonder if Annabeth would like that description. In the not, In the stall next to us, the music stopped completely. A man screamed in terror, car doors slammed, and the Lincoln peeled out of the car wash. You better go see what that was, Luke said. Listen, are you wearing the flying shoes? I'll feel better if I know they've done you some good. Oh, uh, yeah. I try not to sound like a guilty liar. Yeah, they've come in handy. Really? He grinned. They fit in everything? The water shut off. The mist started to evaporate. Well, take care of yourself out there in Denver, Luke called, his voice getting fainter. And tell Grover it'll be better this time. Nobody will get turned into a pine tree if you just... But the mist was gone, and Luke's image faded to nothing. I was alone in a wet, empty car wash stall. Annabeth and Grover came around the corner, laughing, but stopped when they saw my face. Annabeth's smile faded. What happened, Percy? What did Luke say? Not much. I lied. My stomach's feelings are as empty as a big three cabin. Come on, let's find some dinner. A few minutes later, we were sitting at a booth in a gleaming chrome diner. All around us, families were eating burgers and drinking malts and sodas. Finally, the waitress came over. She raised her eyebrows skeptically. Well, I said, we um want to order dinner. You kids have money to pay for it? Grover's lower lip quivered. I was afraid he would start bleeding, or worse, start eating the linoleum. Annabeth looked ready to pass out from hunger. I was trying to think of a stop story for the waitress when a rumble shook the the whole building. A motorcycle the size of a baby elephant had pulled up to the curb. All conversation in the diner stopped. The motorcycle's headlight glared red. Its gas tank had flames painted on it and a shotgun holster riveted to either side, complete with shotguns. The seat was leather, but leather that looked like, well, Caucasian human skin. The guy on the bike would have made pro wrestlers run for mama. He was dressed in a red muscle jazz shirt and black jeans and a black leather duster with a hunting knife strapped to his thigh. He wore red wraparound shades and he had the cruelest most brutal face I'd ever seen. Handsome, I guess, but wicked, with a oily black crew cut and cheeks that were scarred from many, many fights. The weird thing was, I'd feel like I'd seen his face somewhere before. As he walked into the diner, a hot, dry wind blew through the place. All the people rose, as if they were hypnotized, but the biker waved his hand dismissively and they all sat down again. Everybody went back to their conversations. The waitress blinked as if someone had just pressed the rewind button on her brain. She asked us again, You kids have money to pay for it? The biker said, It's on me. He slid into our booth, which was way too small for him, and crowded Annabeth against the window. window. He looked up at the waitress, who was gaping at him, and said, Are you still here? He pointed at her. She stiffened. She turned as if she'd been spun around, then marched backward to the kitchen. The biker looked at me. I couldn't see his eyes behind the red shades, but bad feelings started boiling in my stomach. Anger, resentment, bitterness. I wanted to hit a wall. I wanted to pick a fight with somebody. Who did this guy think he was? He gave me a wicked grin. So, your old seaweeds kid, huh? I should have been surprised or scared. But instead, I felt like I was looking at my stepdad. Gabe, I wanted to rip this guy's head off. What's it to you? Ambit's eyes flashed me a warning. Percy, this is... The biker raised his hand. It's okay, he said. I don't mind a little attitude, long as you remember who's the boss. You know who I am, little cousin? Then it struck me why this guy looked familiar, He had the same vicious sneer as some of the kids at Camp Half-Blood. The ones from Cabin 5. You're Clarice's dad, I said. Ares? God of War? Ares grinned and took off his shades. Where his eyes should have been, there was only fire, empty sockets, glowing with miniature nuclear explosions. That's right, punk. I heard you broke Clarice's spear. She was asking for it. Probably. That's cool. I don't fight my kids' fights, you know? What I'm here for? I heard you were in town. I got a little proposition for you. The waitress came back with heaping trays of food, cheeseburgers, fries, onion rings, and chocolate shakes. Ares handed her a few gold drachmas. She looked nervously at the coins. But these aren't... Ares pulled out this huge knife and started cleaning his fingernails. Problem, sweetheart? The waitress swallowed, then left with the gold. "'You can't do that,' I told Ares. "'You can't just threaten people with a knife.' Ares laughed. "'Are you kidding? I love this country. Best place in Sparta. Don't you carry a weapon, punk? You should. Dangerous world out there, which brings me to my proposition. I need you to do me a favor.' "'What favor could I do for a god?' "'Something a god does not have doesn't have time to do himself. It's nothing much.' I left my shield at an abandoned water park here in town. It was going on a little date with my girlfriend. We were interrupted. I left my shield behind. I want you to it for me. Why don't you go back and get it yourself? The fire in his eye sockets glowed a little harder. Why don't I turn you into a prairie dog and run you over with my Harley? Because I don't feel like it. A god has given you an opportunity to prove yourself, Percy Jackson. Will you prove yourself a coward? He, le- he leaned forward. Or maybe you only fight when there's a river to dive into, so your daddy can protect you. I wanted to punch this guy, but somehow I knew he was waiting for that. Ares' power was causing my anger. He'd love if I attacked. I didn't want to give him the satisfaction. We're not interested, I said. We've already got a quest. Ares' fiery eyes made me see things I didn't want to see. Blood and smoke and corpses on the battlefield... I know all about your quest, punk. When that item was first stolen, Zeus sent his best out looking for it. Apollo, Athena, Artemis, and me, naturally. If I couldn't sniff out a weapon that powerful, he licked his lips, as if, if, as if the very thought of the master bolt made him hungry. Well, if I couldn't find it, you got no hope. Nevertheless, I'm trying to give you the, I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. Your dad and I go way back. After all, I'm the one who told him my suspicions about the whole corpse breath. You told him Hades stole the bolt? Sure, framing somebody to start a war. All this trick in the book. I recognized it immediately. In a way, you got me to thank you for your little quest. Thanks, I grumbled. Hey, I'm a generous guy. Just do my little job and I'll help you on your way. I'll arrange a ride west for you and your friends. We're doing fine on our own. Yeah, right. No money, no wheels, no clue what you're up against. Help me out, and maybe I'll tell you something you need to know. Something about your mom. My mom? He grinned. That got your attention. The water park is a mile west on Delancey. You can't miss it. Look for the Tunnel of Love ride. What interrupted your date? I asked. Something to scare you off? Ares bared his teeth but I'd seen, him threatening, I'd seen his threatening look before on Clarice. There was something false about it, almost like he was nervous. You're lucky you met me, punk, and not one of the other Olympians. They're not as forgiving of rudeness as I am. I'll meet you back here when you're done. Don't disappoint me. After that, I must have fainted or fallen into a trance because when I opened my eyes again, Ares was gone. I might've thought the conversation was had been a dream, but Annabeth and Grover's expressions told me otherwise. Not good, Grover said. Ares sought you out, Percy. This is not good. I stared out the window. The motorcycle had disappeared. Did Ares really know something about my mom, or was he just playing with me? Now that he knew what he was gone, all the anger had drained out of me. I realized Ares must love to mess with people's emotions. That was his power, cranking up the passions so badly they clouded your ability to think it's probably some kind of trick i said forget it forget Ares. let's just go we can't annabeth said look i hate Ares as much as anybody but you don't ignore the gods unless you want serious bad fortune he wasn't kidding about turning into a rodent i looked down at my cheeseburger which suddenly didn't seem so appetizing why does he need us maybe it's a problem that requires brains annabeth said "Ares has strength that's all he has even strength has to bow to wisdom sometimes. But this water park, he acted almost scared. Why, what will make a war god run away like that? Annabeth Grover, and Grover glanced nervously at each other. Annabeth said, I'm afraid we'll have to find out. The sun was sinking behind the mountains by the time we found the water park. Judging from the sign, it had once been called Waterland. But now some of the letters were smashed out. So it read, Watrad. The main gate was padlocked and topped with barbed wire. Inside, huge dry water slides and tubes and pipes curled everywhere, leading to empty pools. Old tickets and advertisements flutter around the asphalt. With night coming on, the place looks sad and creepy. If Ares brings his girlfriend here for a date, I said, staring up at the barbed wire, I'd hate to see what she looks like. Percy, bit warned, be more respectful. Why? I thought you hated Ares. He's still a god, and his girlfriend is very temperamental. You don't want to insult her looks, Grover added. Who is she? Echidna? No, Aphrodite, Grover said a little dreamily. Goddess of love. I thought she was married to somebody, I said. Hephaestus, what's your point? He asked. Oh, I suddenly... F- i said oh i suddenly felt the need to change the subject so how do we get in Maya?" grover's shoes sprouted wings he flew over the fence did an unintended somersault in the midair then stumbled to a landing on the opposite side he dusted off his jeans as if he'd planned the whole thing you guys coming annabeth and i had to climb the old-fashioned way holding down the barbed wire for each other as we crawled over the top. The shadows grew long as we walked through the park, checking out the attractions. There was Anklebiter Island, Head Over Wedgie, and dude, where's my swimsuit? No monsters came to get us. Nothing made the slightest noise. We found a souvenir shop that had been left open. Merchandise still lined the shelves. Snow globes, pencils, postcards, and racks of... clothes, Annabit said. Fresh clothes. Yeah, I said, but you can't just watch me. She snatched an entire row of stuff off the racks and disappeared into the changing room. A few minutes later, she came out in Waterland flower print shorts, a big red Waterland t-shirt, and commemorative Waterland surf shoes. A Waterland backpack was slung over her shoulder, obviously stuffed with more goodies. What the heck, Grover shrugged. Soon all three of us were decked out like walking advertisements for the defunct theme park. We continued searching for the tunnel of love. I got the feeling that the whole park was holding its breath. So, Ares and Aphrodite, I said, to keep my mind off the growing dark. They have a thing going on? That's old gossip, Percy, Annabeth told me. 3,000-year-old gossip. What about Aphrodite's husband? Well, you know, she said. Hephaestus, the blacksmith? He was crippled when he was a baby thrown off Mount Olympus by Zeus. So he isn't exactly handsome. Clever with his hands and all, but Aphrodite isn't into brains and talent, you know? She likes bikers. Whatever. Hephaestus knows? Oh, sure, Ambed said. He caught them together once. I mean, literally caught them in a golden net and invited all the gods to come and laugh at them. Hephaestus is always trying to embarrass them. That's why they meet in out of the way places like... She stopped, looking straight ahead. Like that. In front of us was an empty pool that would have been awesome for skateboarding. It was at least 50 yards across and shaped like a bowl. Around the rim, a dozen bronze statues of Cupid stood guard with wings spread and bows ready to fire. On the opposite side from us, a tunnel opened up, probably where the water flowed into when the pool was full. The sign above it read, Thrill ride, of oh love, this is not your parents' tunnel of love. Grover crept through toward the edge. "'Guys, look!' Marooned at the bottom of the pool was a pink and white two-seater bow with a canopy over the top and little hearts painted all over it. In the left sea, glinting in the fading light, was Ares' shield, a polished circle of bronze. "'This is too easy,' I said. "'So we just walk down there and get it?' Ambit ran her fingers along the base of the nearest Cupid statue. "'There's a Greek letter carved here,' she said. "'Eta!' I wonder, Grover. I said, "You smell any monsters?" He sniffed the wind. Nothing. Nothing, like in the arch, and you didn't smell a nothing or really nothing. Grover looked hurt. I told you that was underground. Okay, I'm sorry. I took a deep breath. I'm going down there. I'll go with you. Grover didn't sound too enthusiastic, but I got the feeling he was trying to make up for what had happened in St. Louis. "'No,' I told him. "'I want you to stay up top with the flying shoes. "'You're the Red Baron, a flying ace, remember? "'I'll be counting on you for backup, "'in case something goes wrong.' "'Grover chef puffed up his chest a little. "'Sure, but what could go wrong?' "'I don't know, just a feeling. "'Annabeth, come with me.' "'Are you kidding?' "'She looked at me as if I'd just dropped from the moon. "'Her cheeks was, were bright red. "'What's the problem now?' I demanded. "'Me? Go with you?' The, the thrill ride of love? How embarrassing is that? What if somebody saw me? Who's going to see you? But my face was burning now, too. Leave it to a girl to make everything complicated. Fine, I told her, I'll do it myself. But when I started down the side of the pool, she followed me, muttering about how boys always mess things up. We reached the boat. The shield was propped on one seat, and next to it was a lady's silk scarf. I tried to imagine Ares and Aphrodite here, a couple of gods meeting in a junked-out amusement park ride. Why? Then I noticed something I hadn't seen from up top. Mirrors all the way around the rim of the pool, facing this spot. We could see ourselves no matter which direction we looked. That must be it. While Aries and Aphrodite were smooching with each other, they could look at their favorite people. Themselves. I picked up the scarf. It shimmered pink, and the perfume was indescribable rose or mountain laurel something good i smiled a little dreamy and was about to rub the scarf against my cheek when uh, annabeth ripped it out of my hand and stuffed it in her pocket oh no you don't stay away from that love magic what just get the shield seaweed brain and let's get out of here the moment i touched the shield i knew we were in trouble my hand broke through something that had been connected to the dashboard a cobweb i thought but then I looked at a strand of it on my palm and saw it was some kind of metal filament. So fine, it was almost visible. A tripwire. Wait, Abbott said. Too late. There's another Greek letter on the side of the boat. Another Eta. This is a trap. Noise erupted all around us, of a million gears grinding as if the whole pool were turning into one giant machine. Grover yelled, Guys! Up on the rim, the cupid statues were drawing their bows into firing position. Before I could suggest taking cover, they shot, but not at us. They fired at each other, across the rim of the pool. Silky cables trailed from the arrows, arching from the the pool and anchoring where they land to form a huge golden asterisk. Then smaller metallic threads started weaving together magically between the main strands, making a net. We have to get out, I said. "'Duh!' Embitt said. I grabbed the shield and we ran, but going up the slope of the pool was not as easy as going down. "'Come on!' Grover shouted. He was trying to hold open a section of the net for us, but wherever he touched it, the golden threads started to wrap around his hands. The cupid's heads popped open. Out came video cameras. Spotlights rose up all around the pool, blinding us with illumination, and a loudspeaker voice boomed. "'Live! Two of Olympus! In one minute!' 59 seconds. 58. Hephaestus! Annabeth screamed. I'm so stupid! Edda is H! He made this trap to catch his wife with Ares! Now we're going to be broadcast live to Olympus and look like absolute fools! We almost made it to the rim when the row mirrors opened like hatches and thousands of tiny metallic things poured out. Annabeth screamed. It was an army of wind-up creepy crawlies bronze gear bodies spindly legs little pincer mouths all scuttling toward us in a wave of clacking whirling metal whirring metal spiders and but a sp ah! I never seen her like this before she fell back she fell backward in terror and almost got overwhelmed by the spider robots before I pulled her up and dragged her back toward the boat the things were coming out from all around the uh, around the rim now millions of them flooding toward the center of the pool completely surrounding us i told myself they probably weren't programmed to kill just coral us and bite us and make us look stupid then again this was a trap meant for gods and we weren't gods and but then i climbed into the boat i started kicking away the spiders as they swarmed aboard I yelled at Annabeth to help me, but she was too paralyzed to do much more than scream. 30, 29, called the loudspeaker. The spider started spitting out strands of metal thread, trying to tie us down. The strands were easy enough to break at first, but there were so many of them, and the spiders just kept coming. I kicked one away from Annabeth's leg, and its pincers took a chunk out of my new surf shoe. Grover hovered above the pool in his flying sneakers, trying to pull the net loose but it wouldn't budge. Think, I told myself, think. The Tunnel of Love entrance was under the net. We could use it as an exit, except that it was blocked by a million robot spiders. 15, 14, the loudspeaker called. Water, I thought. Where does the wide ride's water come from? Then I saw them, huge water pipes behind the mirrors, where the spiders had come from, and up above the net, next to one of the cupids, a glass-windowed booth that must be the controller station. "'Grover!' I yelled. "'Get into that booth, Find the on-switch!' "'But do it!' It was a crazy hope, but it was our only chance. The spiders were all over the prow of the boat now. Annabeth was screaming her head off. I had to get us out of here. Grover was in the controller's boot now, slamming away at the buttons. Five. Four. Grover looked up at me hopelessly, raising his hands. He was letting me know that he pushed every button, but still nothing was happening. I closed my eyes and thought about waves, rushing water, the Mississippi River. I felt a familiar tug in my gut. I tried to imagine that I was dragging the ocean all the way to Denver. Two, one, zero. Water exploded out of the pipes. It roared into the pool, sweeping away the spiders. I pulled Annabeth into the seat next to me and fastened her seatbelt just as the tidal wave slammed into our boat over the top, whisking the spiders away and dousing us completely, but not capsizing us. The boat turned, lifted in the flood, and spun in circles around the whirlpool. The water was full of short circuiting spiders, some of them smashing against the pool's concrete wall with such force they burst. Spotlights glared down at us. The Cupid cams were rolling, live to Olympus. But I could only concentrate on controlling the boat. I willed it to ride the current, to keep away from the wall. Maybe it was my imagination. But the boat seemed to respond. At least, it didn't break into a million pieces. We spun around one last time, the water level now almost high enough to shred us against the metal net. Then the boat's nose turned toward the tunnel, and we rocketed through into the darkness. Annabeth and I held tight, both of us screaming as the boat shot curls and hugged corners and took 45 degree plunges, past pictures of Romeo and Juliet and a bunch of other Valentine's Day stuff. Then we were out of the tunnel, the night air whistling through our hair as the boat barreled straight toward the exit. If the ride had been in working order, we would have sailed off a ramp between the golden gates of love and splashed down safely in the exit pool. But there was a problem. The gates of love were changed, chained. Two boats had, that had been washed out of the tunnel before us were now piled against the barricade. One submerged and one, and the other cracked in half. "'Unfasten your seatbelt,' I yelled to Annabeth. "'Are you crazy?' Unless you want to get smashed to death, I strapped Aerie's shield to my arm. We're going to have to jump for it. My idea was simple and insane. As the boat struck, we would use its force like a springboard to jump the gate. I've heard of people surviving car crashes that way, getting thrown 30 or 40 feet away from the accident. With luck, we would land in a pool. In the pool. Annabeth seemed to understand. She gripped my hand as the gates got closer. On my mark, I said. No, on my mark. What? simple physics she yelled force times the tranje- trajectory angle fine i shouted on your mark she hesitated hesitated then yelled now crack annabeth was right if we jumped when i thought we should have we would have crashed into the gates she got us maximum lift unfortunately that was a little more than we needed our boat smashed into the pileup and we were thrown into the air straight over the gates over the pool and down towards solid asphalt Something grabbed me from behind. Annabeth yelled, "'Ouch! Grover!' In midair, he had grabbed me by the shirt and Annabeth by the arm. It was trying to pull us out of a crash landing, but Annabeth and I had all of the mo- all the momentum. "'You're too heavy!' Grover said. "'We're going down!' We spiraled toward the ground, Grover doing his best to slow the fall. We smashed into a photo board, Grover's head going straight through into the hole where tourists would put their faces." pretending to be no, no, the, way, the friendly whale. Annabeth and I tumbled to the ground, banged up a, but alive. Ares' shield was still on my arm. Once we caught our breath, Annabeth and I got Grover out of the photo board and thanked him for saving our lives. I looked back at thrill ride of, for, of love. The water was subsiding. Our boat had been smashed to pieces against the gate. A hundred yards away at the entrance pool, the cupids were still filming. The statues had swiveled so that their cameras were trained straight on us the spotlights in our faces show's over i yelled thank you good night the cupids turned back to their original positions the lights shut off then the park went quiet and dark again except for the gentle trickle of water into the thrill ride of love's exit pole i wondered if olympus had gone to a commercial break or if our ratings had been any good i hated being teased i hated being tricked and i had plenty of experience handling bullies who liked to do that stuff to me I hefted the shield on on my arm and turned to my friends. We need to have a little talk with Ares. And that is the end of chapter 15. But we will come back for chapter 16 after a few ads. And in chapter 16, we'll read, we take a zebra to Vegas. And I feel that chapter 15 was pretty interesting. You know, know, trying to get out of a... uh, amusement ride and abandon one uh, that too and then trying to save yourselves from embarrassment of like you know embarrassing the into yourself in front of the gods you know that was a pretty interesting chapter because you know that doesn't usually happen very often where you're running away from statues trying to film you or you're trying to get out of a abandoned amusement park but yeah that was a pretty interesting chapter and after these ads we will read chapter 16. Alright everyone, welcome back from the Eds. And now we are going to read chapter 16. The war god was waiting for us in the din- diner parking-, parking lot. Well, well, he said. You didn't get yourself killed. You knew it was a trap, I said. Ares gave me a wicked grin. Bet that crippled blacksmith was surprised when he netted a couple of stupid kids. You looked good on TV. I shoved his shield at him. You're a jerk. Annabeth and Grover caught their breath. Ares grabbed the shield and spun it in the air like pizza dough. It changed form, melting into a bulletproof vest. He slung it across his back. See that truck over there? He pointed to an 18-wheeler parked across the street from the diner. That's your ride. Take you straight to LA with one stop in Vegas. The 18-wheeler had a sign on the back, which I could read only because it was reverse-printed white on black. A good good combination for dyslexia. Kindness International. Humane Zoo Transport. Warning. Live wild animals. I said, you're kidding. Aries snapped his fingers. The back door of the truck unlatched. Free ride west, punk. Stop complaining. And here's a little something for doing the job. He slung a blue nylon backpack off his handlebar and tossed it to me. Inside were fresh clothes for all of us. Twenty bucks in cash, a pouch full of golden drachmas, and a bag of double-stuffed Oreos. I said I don't want your lousy- Thank you, Lord Ares, Grover interrupted, giving me his best red alert warning look. Thanks a lot. I gritted my teeth. It was probably a deadly insult to refuse something from a god, but I didn't want anything that Ares had touched. Reluctantly, I slung the backpack over my shoulder. I knew my anger was being caused by the War of God's presence, but I was still itching to punch him in the nose. He reminded me of every bully I've ever faced. Nancy BobaFit, Clarice, Smelly Gabe, sarcastic teachers, every jerk who'd call me stupid or laughed at me when I'd gotten expelled. I looked back at the diner, which only had a couple of customers now. The waitress who'd serve us dinner was watching nervously out the window, like she was afraid Ares might hurt us. She dragged the fry cook out from the kitchen to see. She said something to him. He nodded, held up a little disposable camera, and snapped a picture of us. Great, I thought. We'll make the papers again tomorrow. I imagined the headline. Twelve-year-old outlaw beats up defenseless biker. You owe me one more thing. I told Ares, trying to keep my voice level. You promised me information about my mother. You sure you can handle the news? He kicked started his motorcycle. She's not dead. The ground seemed to spin beneath me. What do you mean? I mean she was taken away from the minotaur before she could die. She was turned into a shower of gold, right? That's metamorphosis, not death. She's being kept. Kept? Why? You need to study war punk. Hostages You take somebody to control somebody else. Nobody's controlling me. He laughed. (laughs) Oh yeah? See you around, kid. I balled up my fists. You're pretty smug, Lord Ares, for a guy who runs from Cupid statues. Behind his sunglasses, fire glowed. I felt a hot, hot wind in my air. We'll meet again, Percy Jackson. Next time you're in a fight, watch your back. He revved his Harley, then roared off Delancey Street. Annabeth said, "'That was not smart, Percy. I don't care. You don't want a god as your enemy, especially not that god.'" "'Hey, guys,' Grover said. "'I hate to interrupt, but...' He pointed toward the diner. At the register, the last two customers were paying their checks. Two, ident- two men in identical black coveralls with a white logo on their back that matched the one on the Kindness International truck. If we're taking the Zoo Express, Grover said, we need to hurry. I didn't like it, but we had no better better option. Besides, I'd seen enough of Denver. We ran across the street and climbed in the back of the big rig, closing the doors behind us. The first thing that hit me was the smell. It was like it was like the world's biggest pan of kitty litter. The trailer was dark inside until I uncapped eclusmos. The blade cast a faint bronze light over a very sad scene. Sitting in a row of filthy metal cages were three of the most pathetic zoo animals I'd ever beheld. A zebra, a male albino lion, and some weird antelope thing. I didn't know the name for him. Someone had thrown the lion a sack of turnips, which he obviously did want to eat. The zebra and the antelope had each gotten a styrofoam tray of hamburger meat. The zebra's mane was matted with chewing gum, like somebody had been spitting on it their spare time. The antelope had a stupid silver birthday balloon tied to one of his horns that read, Over the hill! Apparently, nobody had wanted to get close enough to the lion to mess with him, but the poor thing was pacing around on soil blankets in a space way too small for him panting from the stuffy heat of the trailer. He had flies buzzing around his pink eyes and his ribs showed his white fur. This is kindness? Grover yelled. Humane zoo transport? He probably would have gone right back outside to beat up the truckers with his reed pipes and I would have helped him, but just then the truck's engine roared to life. The trailer started shaking and we were forced to sit down or fall down. We huddled in the corner or... uh, or on some feed, mildew weed feed sacks, trying to ignore the smell and the heat and the flies. Grover had talked to the animals in a series of goat bleats, but they just stared at him sadly. Annabeth was in favor of breaking the cages and freeing them on a the spot, but I pointed out it wouldn't do much good until the truck stopped moving. Besides, I had a feeling we might look a lot better to the line than those turnips. I found a water jug and refilled their bowls, then used Anaclusmos to drag the ma- mismatched food out of their cages. I gave the meat to the lion and the turnips to the zebra and the antelope. Grover calmed the antelope down, while Annabeth used her knife to cut the balloon off his horn. She wanted to cut the gum out of the zebra's mane too, but we decided that would be too risky with the truck bumping around. We told Grover to promise the animals we'd help them more in the morning, then we settled in for the night. For night. Grover curled up on a turnip sack. Annabeth opened our bag of double-stuffed Oreos and nibbled on one half-heartedly. I tried to cheer myself up by concentrating on the fact that we were halfway into Los Angeles, halfway to our destination. It was only June 14th. The sol- solstice wasn't until the 21st. We could make it in plenty of time. On the other hand, I had no idea what to expect next. The gods kept toying with me. At least Hephaestus had the decency to be honest about it. He put up the cameras and advertised me as an entertainment. But even when the cameras weren't rolling, I had a feeling my quest was being watched. I was a source of amusement for the gods. Hey, Ambit said. I'm sorry for freaking out back at the water park, Percy. That's okay. It's just, she shuddered, spiders. Because of the Arachne story, I guessed. She got turned into a spider for challenging your mom to a weaving contest, right? Ambit nodded. Arachne's children have been taking revenge on the children of Athena ever since. If there's a spider within a mile of me, it'll find me. I hate the creepy little thing. Anyways, I owe you. We're a team, remember? I said. Besides, Grover did the fancy flying. I thought he was asleep, but he mumbled from the corner. I was pretty amazing, wasn't I? Annabeth and I laughed. She pulled apart an Oreo, handed me half. In the Irish message, did Luke really say nothing? I munched my cookie and thought about how to answer. The conversation via rainbow had been bo- had bothered me all evening. Luke said you and he go way back. He also said Grover wouldn't fail this time. Nobody would turn to a pine tree. In the dim bronze light of the sword blade, it was hard to read their expressions. Grover let out a mournful bray. I should have told you the truth from the beginning. His voice trembled. I thought if you knew what a fl- failure I was, you wouldn't want me along. You were the satire who tried to rescue Thalia, the daughter of Zeus. He nodded glumly. And the other two half-bloods Thalia befriended? The ones who got safely to camp? I was looking at Annabeth. That was you and Le- Luke, right? Wasn't it? She put down her Oreo, uneaten. Like you said, Percy, a seven-year-old half-blood wouldn't have made it far, very, very far alone. Athena guided me toward help. Talia was 12, Luke was 14. They both run away from home, like me. They were happy to take me with them. They were amazing monster fighters, even without training. We traveled north from Virginia without any real real plans, fending off monsters for about two weeks before Grover found us. I was supposed to escort Talia to camp, he said, sniffling. Only Talia and only Talia. I had strict orders from Sharon. Don't do anything that would slow the rescue, slow down the rescue. We knew Hades was after her. See, but I couldn't just leave Luke and Annabeth by themselves. I thought I thought I could lead all these three to safety. It was my fault the kindly ones caught up with us. I froze. I got scared on the way back to camp. and took some wrong turns. If I'd just been a little quicker. Stop it, Annabeth said. No one blames you. Thalia didn't blame you either. She sacrificed herself to save us, he said miserably. Her death was my fault. The Council of Cloven Elders said so. Because you wouldn't leave two other half-bloods behind, I said. That's not fair. Percy's right, Annabeth said. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for you, Grover. Neither would Luke. We don't care what the council says. Grover kept sniffling in the dark. It's just my luck. I'm the lamest satire ever. And I find the two most powerful half-bloods of the century, Talia and Percy. You're not lame, Annabeth insisted. You've got more courage than any satire I've ever met. Name one other who would dare to go to the underworld. I bet Percy's really glad you're here right now. She kicked me in the shin. Yeah, I said, which I would have not done even without the kick. It's not luck that you found Talia and me, Grover. You've got the biggest heart of any satire ever. You're a natural searcher. That's why you'll be the one who finds Pan. I had a deep, satisfied sigh. I waited for Grover to say something. But his breathing only got heavier. When the sound turned to snoring, I realized he'd fallen asleep. How does he do that? I marveled. I don't know, Annabeth said, but that was really a nice thing you told him. I meant it. We rode in silence for a few miles, bumping around the feed sacks. The zebra munched a turnip. The lion licked the last of the hamburger meat off his lips and looked at me hopefully. Annabeth rubbed her necklace like she was thinking, deep strategic thoughts. That pine tree bead. I said, is that from your first year? She looked. She hadn't realized what she had she was doing. Yeah, she said. Every August, the counselors picked the most Im- important event of the summer. And they painted on that year's bead. I've got Thalia's pine tree, a Greek trium on fire, uh, a centaur in a prom dress. Now that was a weird summer. And the college ring is your father's? That's none of your... She stopped herself. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You don't have to tell me. No, it's okay. She took a shaky breath. My dad sent it to me folded up in a letter two summers ago. The ring was like his main keepsake from Athena. He would not have gone through his doctoral program at Harvard without her. That's a long story. Anyway, he said he wanted me to have it. He apologized for being a jerk, said he loved me and missed me. He wanted me to come home and live with him. That doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, well, the problem was, I believed him. I tried to go home for that school year, but my stepmother was stepmom was the same as ever. She didn't want her kids put in, put in danger by living with a freak. Monsters attacked, we argued. Monsters attacked, we argued. I didn't even make it through winter break. I called Sharon and came right back to ha- Camp Half-Blood. You think you'll ever try living with your dad again? She wouldn't meet my eyes. Please. I'm not into self-inflicted pain. You shouldn't give up, I told her. You should write him a letter or something. Thanks for the advice, she said coldly, but my father made his father's made his choice about who he wants to live with. We passed another few miles of silence. So if the gods fight, I said, would things line up the way they did with the Th- Trojan War? Will it be Athena versus Poseidon? She put her head against the backpack Ares had given us and closed her eyes. I don't know what my mom will do. I just know I'll fight next to you. Why? Because you're my friend, seaweed brain. Any more stupid questions? I couldn't think of an answer to that, for that. Fortunately, I didn't have to. Annabeth was asleep. I, have tr- I had trouble following her example, with Grover snoring and an alb- albino li- lion staring hungrily at me. But eventually, I closed my eyes. My nightmare started out as something I dreamed a million times of horror. I was being forced to take a standardized test while wearing a straitjacket. All the other kids were going out to recess, and the teacher kept saying, Come on, Percy. You're not stupid, are you? Pick up your pencil. Then the dream strayed from usual. I looked over at the next desk desk, and saw a girl sitting there, also wearing a straitjacket. She was my age, with unruly black punk-style hair, dark eyeliner around her, but stormy green eyes, and freckles across her nose. Somehow I knew she was uh, who she was. She was Thalia, daughter of Zeus. She struggled against the straitjacket, glared at me in frustration, and snapped, "Well, seaweed brain, one of us has to get out of get us get us get out of here." She's right, my dream self thought. I'm going back. I'm going back to that cavern. I'm going to give Hades a piece of my mind. The straitjacket melted off me. I fell through the classroom floor. The teacher's voice changed until it was cold and evil, echoing from the depths of a great chasm percy jackson it said yes the exchange went well i see i was back in the dark cavern spirits of the dead drifting around me unseen in the pit the monstrous thing was speaking but this time it wasn't addressing me the numbing power of its voice seemed directed somewhere else and he suspects nothing it asked another voice one i almost recognized answered at my shoulder nothing my lord he is as ignorant as the rest I looked over, but no one was there. The speaker was invisible. "'Deception upon deception, the thing in the pit,' mused aloud. "'Excellent.' "'Truly, my lord,' said the voice next to you. me, "'you are well named the Crooked One. "'But was it really necessary? "'I could have brought you what I stole directly.' "'You,' the monster said in scorn, "'you've already shown your your lim- limits. "'You have failed me completely had I not intervened. "'But, my lord, peace, little servant.' Our six months have have bought us so uh, has bought have bought us much. Zeus's anger has grown. Poseidon has played his most desperate card. Now we shall use it against him. Shortly, you will have the reward you wish and your revenge as soon as both items are delivered into my hands. But wait, he is here. What? The invisible servant suddenly sounded tense. You summoned him, my lord. No. The full force of the monster's attention was now pouring over me freezing me in place blast his father's blood he's too changeable too unpredictable the boy brought himself hither impossible the servant cried for weaklings such as you perhaps the voice snarled then its cold power turned back on me so you wish to dream of your quest young half-blood then i will oblige the scene changed i was standing in a vast throne room with black marble walls and bronze floors The empty, horrid throne was made from human bones fused together. Standing at the foot of the dais was my mother, frozen in shimmering gold light, her arms outstretched. I tried to step toward her, but my legs wouldn't move. I reached for her, only to realize that my hands were withering to bones. Grinning skeletons with silk robes, wreathing my head with laurels that smoked a chimera poison burning into my scalp, the evil voice began to laugh. Hail the conquering hero! I woke with a start. Grover was shaking my shoulder. The truck stopped, he said. We think they're coming to check on the animals. Hide, Annabeth hissed. She had it easy. She just put on her magic cap and disappeared. Grover and I had to dive behind feed sacks and hope we looked like turnips. The trailer doors creaked open. Sunlight and heat poured in. Man, one of the truckers said, waving his hand in front of his ugly nose. I wish I hauled appliances. He climbed inside and poured some water from a jug into the animal's dishes. "'You hot, big boy?' he asked the lion, and splashed the rest of the bucket right in the lion's face. The lion roared in indignation. "'Yeah, yeah, yeah,' the man said. Next to me, under the turnip sacks, Grover tensed. For peace-loving herbivore, he looked downright murderous. The trucker threw the antelope a squash-looking Happy Meal back. He smirked at the zebra. "'How you doing, Stripes?' least we'll be getting rid of you this stop. You like magic shows? You're gonna love this one. They're gonna saw you in half. The zebra, wild-eyed with fear, looked straight at me. There was no sound, but as clear as day, I heard it say, Free me, Lord, please. I was too stunned to react. There was a loud knock, knock, knock on the side of the trailer. The trucker inside with us yelled, What do you want, Eddie? A voice outside. Must have been Eddie's. Sh- Eddie's shouted back, "Maurice, what'd you say? What are you banging for?" Knock, knock, knock. Outside, Eddie yelled, "What's banging?" Our guy Maurice rolled his eyes and went back outside, cursing at Eddie for being an idiot. A second later, Annabeth appeared next to me. She must have done the banging to get Maurice out of the trailer. She said, "This transport business can't be legal." No kidding, Grover said. He paused as of listening. The lion says these guys are animal smugglers. That's right, the zebra's voice said in my mind. We've got to free them, Grover said. He and Annabeth both looked at me, waiting for my lead. I heard the zebra talk, but not the lion. Why? Maybe it was another learning disability. I could only understand zebras? Then I thought, horses. What had Annabeth said about Poseidon creating horses? Was a zebra close enough to a horse? Was that why I could understand it? The zebra said, ''Open my cage, Lord. Please. I'll be fine after that.'' Outside, Eddie and Maurice were still yelling at each other, but I knew they'd be coming inside to torment the animals again any minute. I grabbed Riptide and slashed the lock off the zebra's cage. The zebra burst out. It turned to me and bowed. ''Thank you, Lord.'' Grover held up his hand and said something to the zebra and goat talk like a blessing. Just as Maurice was poking his head back inside to check out the noise, the zebra leaped over him and into the street. There was yelling and screaming and cars honking. We rushed to the doors of the trailer in time to see the zebra galloping down a wide boulevard lined with hotels and casinos and neon signs. we just released a zebra in Las Vegas. Maurice and Eddie ran after it, with a few policemen running after them, shouting, Hey, you need a permit for that! Now would be a good time to leave, Annabeth said. The other animals first, Grover said. I cut the locks with my sword. Grover raised his hands and spoke the same goat blessing he used for the zebra. "'Good luck,' I told the animals. The antelope and the lion burst out of their cages and went off to gather into the streets. Some tourists screamed. Most just backed off and took pictures, probably thinking of some kind of stump by by one of the casinos. "'Will the animals be okay?' I asked Grover. "'I mean, the desert and all? The desert and all?' "'Don't worry,' he said. "'I placed a satire sanctuary on them.' "'Meaning?' "'Meaning they'll reach the wild safely.' he said. They'll find water, food, shade, whatever th- they need until they find a safe place to live. Why can't you place a blessing like that on us? I asked. It only works on wild animals, so it only affect Percy. Annabeth reasoned. Hey, I protested. Kidding, she said. Come on, let's get out of this filthy truck. We stumbled out into the desert afternoon. It was 110 degrees, easy, and we must have looked like deep fried va- vagrants. But everybody was too interested in the wild animals to pay us much attention. We passed the Monte Carlo and the MGM. We passed pyramids, a pirate ship, and the Statue of Liberty, which was a pretty small replica but still made me homesick. I wasn't sure what we were looking for. Maybe just a place to get out of the heat for a few minutes, find a sandwich and a glass of lemonade, make a a new plan for getting west. We must have taken a wrong turn because we found ourselves at the, at a dead end, standing in front of the Lotus Hotel and Casino. The entrance was a huge neon flower, the petals lighting up and blinking. No one was going in or out, but the, glittery, the glittering chrome doors were open, spilling out air conditioning that smelled like flowers, lotus blossom maybe. I'd never smelled one, so I wasn't sure. The doorman smiled at us. Hey kids, you look tired. You wanna come in and sit down? I learned to be suspicious the last week or so. I figured anybody could might be a monster or a god. You just couldn't tell. But this guy was normal. One look at him and I could see. Besides, I was so relieved to hear somebody who sounded sympathetic that I nodded and said we'd love to come in. Inside, we took one look around and Grover said, Whoa. The whole lobby was a giant game room. And I'm not talking about cheesy old Pac-Man, Pac-Man games or slot machines. There was an indoor water slide snaking around the glass elevator, which went straight up at least 40 floors. There was a climbing wall on one side of the on the side on the side of one building, and an indoor bungee jumping bridge. There were virtual reality suits with working laser guns and hundreds of video games, each one the size of a widescreen TV. Basically, you name it, this place had it. There were other few kids playing, but not that many. No waiting for any of the games. There were waitresses and snack bars all around, serving, you, serving every kind of food you can imagine. "'Hey!' a bellhop said. At least I guessed he was a bellhop. He wore a white and yellow Hawaiian shirt with Lotus designs, shorts, and flip-flops. "'Welcome to the Lotus Casino. Here's your room key,' I stammered. "'Um, but—' "'No, no,' he said, laughing. "'The bill's taken care of. No extra charges, no tips.' Just go on, the top, up, on up to the top floor, room 4001. 4, if you need anything, like extra bubbles for the hot tub or ski targets for the shooting range or whatever, just call the front desk. Here are your Lotus cash cards. They work in the restaurant on all games and rides. He, hand us, hand, he handed us each a green plastic credit card. I knew there must be some mistake. Obviously, we, he thought we were millionaires' kids, but I took the card and said, How much is on here? His eyebrows knit together. What do you mean? I mean, when does it run out of cash?" He laughed. Oh, you're making a joke. Hey, that's cool. Enjoy your stay. We took the elevator upstairs and checked out our room. It was a suite with three separate bedrooms, and a bar stocked with candy, sodas, and chips, a hotline to room service, fluffy towels and water beds with feather pillows, a big screen television with satellite and high-speed internet. The balcony had its own hot tub, and sure enough, there was a skeet shooting machine and a shotgun so you could launch clay pigeons right out right out over the Las Vegas skyline and plug them into your gun. I wasn't, I didn't see how that could be illegal, but I thought it was pretty cool. The view over the strip and the desert was amazing, though I doubted we'd ever find time to look at the view from with a room like this. Oh goodness, Annabeth said. This place is sweet, Grover said. Absolutely sweet. There were clothes in the closet and they fit me. I frowned thinking that this was a little strange. I threw Aries backpack in the trash can. Wouldn't that need that anymore? When we left, I I could just charge a new one at the hotel store. I took a shower, which felt awesome after a week of grimy travel. I changed clothes, ate a bag of chips, drank three Cokes, and came out feeling better than I had in a long time. In the back of my mind, some small problem kept nagging me. I had a dream... I'd had a dream or something. I needed to talk to my friends, but I was sure he could wait. I came out of the bedroom and found that Annabeth and Grover had also showered and changed clothes. Grover was eating potato chips to his heart's content, while Annabeth cramped up the National Geographic channel. All those stations, I told her, and you turn on the National Geographic? Are you insane? It's interesting. I feel good, Grover said. I love this place. Without his re- even realizing it, the wings sprouted out of his shoes and w- lifted him a foot off the ground, then back down. So what now, Annabeth said, asked, sleep? Grover and I looked at each other and grinned. We both held up our green plastic Lotus cash cards. Playtime, I said. I could remember the last time I had so much fun. I came up from a relatively poor family. Our idea was of a splurge was eating out at a Burger King and renting a video. A five-star ho- Vegas hotel? Forget it. I bungee jumped the lobby five or six times, did the water slide, snowboarded the artificial ski slope, and played virtual reality laser tag and FBI sh- sharpshooter. I saw Grover a few times, going from game to game. He really liked the reverse hunting hunter thing, where the deer go out and shoot the rednecks. I saw Annabeth playing the trivia games and other brainiac stuff. They had this huge 3D sim game where you, could- where you build your own city, and you could actually see the holographic buildings rise on the display board. Bored. I didn't think much of it, but Annabeth loved it. I'm not sure when I first realized something was wrong. Probably it was when I noticed the guy standing next to me uh, at our VRR sharpshooters. He was about 13, I guess, but his clothes were weird. I thought he was some Elvis impersonator's son. He wore some, he wore bell-bottom jeans and a red t-shirt with black piping, and his hair was permed and gel like a New Jersey's girl on a Homecoming Night. We played a game of sharpshooters together, and he said, Groovy, man. Been here two weeks, and the games keep getting better and better. Groovy. Later, while we were talking, I said something was sick, and he looked at me kind of startled, as if he'd never heard the wor- word using- used that way before. He said his name was Darren, but as soon as I started asking him questions, he got bored with me and started go- to go back to the computer screen. I said, hey, Darren, what? what year is it? He frowned at me in the game. No, in real life. He had to think about it. 1977? No, I said getting a little scared. Really? Hey man, bad vibes. I've got a game happening. After that, he totally ignored me. I started talking to people and I found out it wasn't easy. They were glued to the TV screen or the video game or their food or whatever. I found a guy who told me it was 1985. Another guy told me it was 1993. They all claimed they hadn't been in here very long. A few days, a few weeks at most. They didn't really know and they didn't care. Then it occurred to me, how long had I been here? It seemed only a couple of hours, but was it? I tried to remember why we were here. We were going to Los Angeles. We were supposed to find the entrance to the underworld. My mother, for a scary second, I had trouble remembering her name. Sally. Sally Jackson. I had to find her. I had to stop Hades from causing World War III. I found Annabeth still building her city. Come on, I told her. We've got to get out of here. No response. I shook her. Annabeth? Annabeth? she looked up annoyed what we need to leave leave what are you talking about i just got the towers this place is a trap she didn't respond until i shook her again what listen the underworld our quest oh come on percy just a few more minutes annabeth there are people here from 1977 kids who have never aged you check in and you stay forever so she asked can you imagine a better place I grabbed her wrist and yanked her away from the game. Hey! She screamed and hit me, but nobody else even bothered looking at us. They were too busy. I made her look directly in my eyes. I said, spiders, large, hairy spiders. That jarred her. Her vision cleared. Oh, my gods, she said. How long have we? I don't know, but we got to find Grover. We went searching and found him still playing virtual deer hunter. Grover, we both shouted. He said, "'Die, human! "'Die, silly, polluting, nasty human person!' "'Grover!' He turned the plastic gun on me and started clicking, as if I were just another image from the screen. I looked at Annabeth, and together we took Grover by the arms and dragged him away. His flying shoes sprang to life and started tugging his legs in the other direction as he shouted, "'No, I just got to a new level! No!' The Lotus Bellhop hurried up to us. "'Well now, are you ready for your platinum cards?' "'We're leaving,' I told him. "'Such a shame,' he said, and I got the feeling he really meant it, "'that we'd be breaking his heart if we went. we just added a new floor full of games for Platinum Card members. "'He held out the cards, and I wanted one. "'I knew that if I took one, I'd never leave. "'I'd stay here happy forever, playing games forever, "'and soon I'd forget my mom and my quest, and maybe even my own name. "'I'd be playing Virtual Rifleman with groovy Disco Darren forever.' Grover reached for the cart, but Annabeth yanked his back his arm and said, ''No thanks.'' We walked toward the door and as we did, the smell of the food and the sounds of the game seemed to get more and more inviting. I thought about our room upstairs. We could just stay the night, sleep in a real bed for once. Then we burst through the doors of the Lotus Casino and ran down the sidewalk. It felt like afternoon. And after about the same time of day, we'd gone into the casino. But something was wrong. The weather had completely changed. It was stormy, with heat light, lightning flashing out in the desert. Aries' backpack was slung over my shoulder, which was odd, because I was sure I had thrown it in the trash can in room 4001. But at the moment, I had other problems to worry about. I ran to the nearest newspaper stand and read the year first. Thank the gods, it was the same year I had been when we went in. Then I noticed the date, June 20th. We'd been in the Lotus Casino for five days. We had only one day left until the summer solstice. One day to complete our quest. And that is the end of chapter 16. And that was a really interesting chapter, you know. When do you get to visit a casino every day that actually makes you stay in and, like, get addicted to the games and, like, not know when to leave? So, yeah, and I think Percy and is in really big trouble because if they only have one day to complete the quest and they don't complete it, then they could go... the gods could go into an entire war and it won't really look good for any people any person on earth so next week we'll read chapters 16 and 17 and stay safe and stay out of boredom